Welcome, everybody. This is How to English. Teach and learn with Gavin M. It's a podcast about teaching and learning English as a foreign language. All opinions stated are personal, and references will be given when necessary. Hi, Em. Hi, Gav. How are you doing? Very well. How are you? I'm excellent. I'm very, very well, thank you. And this is our third episode、uh-huh. of our wonderful podcast.、Um, what's it called? You should know that by now. <laughs> How to English? Yes, our third episode. So, what are we going to talk about today? I thought we could talk about planning. Good idea. So, what do you think? What comes to mind when you think of the word planning? Oh,、um, lots of things. I would say、um, planning lessons. Yes. Planning courses. Yes. Planning your time. Yes, that's a good one. Would you incorporate goals into this? Planning the goals or the target of the course? For each individual lesson, do you mean? No. It's a- Holistic goal globally. Yeah. Okay. I um, I, I was thinking specifically from a teacher's point of view. Okay.、Um, but also, we must remember the students because I know we've got lots of student listeners. Em. Yeah, and they need to think about their goals also and what they would like to get from the lessons. So we'll cover all of it. Yeah. Do you think that students are aware of the preparations? Yeah, like what goes into a course and a lesson. I think they shouldn't be aware of the different elements of the lesson. I think it should flow.、Mm, good point. Okay, so as a teacher, we imagine these students that are coming to us, and they have things that they already know, and we need to elicit from them what they know, but also introduce new things.、Um, it's very. Hard to do. It's a very difficult job. Yeah, exactly. We need to know what the student's objective is. Are they looking to pass an exam? Do they want to watch their favourite TV program? And we need to help them achieve this goal. Okay. So as teachers, we are enabling the goal to be reached. So it's really important you know what that is in order to allow or to help the student to get there. Yes. Yeah. And it is also a balance between the student and the teacher. It's the teacher's responsibility to encourage the student and cover all the basic materials. But it's also, from the student's point of view, they need to think about their approach to the lesson and how they will achieve this target. Yeah, that's an interesting thing because it's sometimes a cultural thing, isn't it? Sometimes the teacher is the one responsible for the learning process, and the students. Assume if they go to the lesson that that will be just given to them, and there's not a lot of input from the students. And in other cultures, it's definitely more focused on the student, and the student has to be motivated and demand what they want and get quite involved in the whole process. And maybe if they fail to reach the goal, it's more their failure than the teacher.、Mm-hmm. So maybe it's a good idea to be aware of that. Um, with the culture you're teaching, and how that power dynamic is, and what they've learned at school, and how the school system worked, how they've gone through education, because that's a massive 
influence, isn't it? The the way they've grown up learning. Mm-hmm. That's very true. I've had pushback from students who basically said, teacher, teach me. Exactly. And I just said, student, learn. <laughs> Ooh, that doesn't necessarily work, does it? No, it doesn't. So, yeah, you have to be aware, but also ready to perhaps push a little yeah. bit. I think you're right. Guidance is a really good word to use here. I yeah. think the teacher is there to guide the student, but the student ultimately has to learn the materials. There's only so much the teacher can do. Yeah. So perhaps we're more focused on self-motivation, but we might come back to that. Yeah, I think we need to talk about planning the lesson, planning the courses, things like that, as well as the goals and whether you can achieve those goals. Planning, planning, planning. Yeah, I like that. They're all connected, aren't they? Yes, exactly. They're all connected. Yeah, so thinking back to planning in the early days of my teaching, I would say it was kind of thrust upon me by the school that I was working for, that they would give me a timetable kind of thing. And I would have... What's a timetable kind of thing, M? They would give me a timetable. So it's a list of the week and the lessons you're going to be teaching at what time and where. Mm -hmm. And they would also say you're going to be working in tandem with another teacher on Monday. You'll teach the students this page and uh, the next day the other teacher will teach them page three and then you teach page four like that okay so alternate teaching from the book yeah which was quite a deep dive in um and I looked at the pages and thought okay I've got the teacher's book I know how they're supposed to be taught and I've got all the notes and everything and then I walked into the class and that's all the teacher's book really told you like the answers to the questions so I'd start with that definitely have the student book look at the teacher's book and the notes, definitely get an introduction to the lesson. I think you need more than that. You need to think about the grammar that you're going to cover and maybe break down that language and give it a bit more thought than literally just what the teacher's book tells you. I think the teacher's book often give you instructions on how to organise, like if it's a pair activity, how to, when to present the answers... They do, Sometimes. yeah, they do, and they do break down the grammar. They say things like typical mistakes from L one, for example. Um, mm-hmm. And if you've got, what do you mean by L one? Uh, first language. Okay. So, and I think that some of the teachers' books are actually language specific, so they might be directed towards, say, a Spanish student, so or a French student, so that they know what kind of mistakes they're likely to make. Oh, because of the L one that you mentioned. Yeah. L1 Interference, I think it's called. So the books are really, really useful. Teachers' books are a great support. So I would always check that I knew the answers before going in, that I would have it either written down or I would at least have read it. Okay. And I definitely still do that now. I will always check the answers before I go in. And also the teacher's book for resource materials, like the communicative activity, Uh, the games are really good. So it's always a great thing just to look at it, even if you don't want to use it, but you know that there are options there. So it could give you a good lead in if you haven't thought of one. What I used to do is on the way to the classroom, I'd think about some little incident that happened to me that day. And that often could be a great way to lead into the grammar or the vocabulary of that lesson. Definitely, yeah. I think as I've got more confident, I've come away from the book a bit more and got creative in the leading way and maybe tailored it to the students so that it's not quite so 
prescriptive sometimes the book gives you something very general but I think the one maybe the one thing to consider with teachers books and student books is just whether it's useful and question it which I didn't do before I would just be there doing each page because it was in the syllabus and every exercise on that page thinking it has to be done so it doesn't really I think you can pick and choose and a lot of the students appreciate it because they maybe already know the language, so mm-hmm. they don't need to go through everything, yeah. which is what a good teacher should identify. So maybe in the planning phase, the teacher should know what the student already knows? Exactly, Gav. Okay, exactly. so this could come from the level test that's done at the beginning of the course. Yeah, could do. Or just from the first few lessons where you may have put that language in So think about that, think about who you're teaching, think about the class. You don't have to go from exercise to exercise. If they know it, you can just skip it. Or upgrade, do something a bit more difficult, challenge that knowledge. Uh, It's just about experience of the student and knowing them, I think. But keep in mind that maybe the student paid for the book and they expect you to go from page to page. In some cases, they might be school students or they've recently finished school or they're university students and they typically followed the book page by page. And if you don't do every exercise in the book, they might be a bit disappointed. They seem kind of crushed that they couldn't do that exercise on the opposite page. But I would say the majority of my students are not that bothered about that. They're happy to go along with whatever the teacher decides. Yeah, consistency as well I guess if you start by doing every activity and then you start missing stuff out they might wonder why yeah the opposite maybe so or explain just why you're leaving it out or you'll come back to it that's a good point but if they buy it and they don't use it then they're going to be really disappointed so maybe find that balance yeah that is questionable if you've asked them to buy it especially and then they don't touch it exactly So, Gav, how has your planning evolved from the beginning of when you started teaching, when you would just look at the teacher's book? Is that how you do it now? No. So if I'm using a book, I would probably take some specific exercise from there. If I want to teach a grammar point or do some language, some vocabulary practice, I'll see what's really useful in the back of the teacher's book, for example, in English file or cutting edge There are resources where you can take the communicative activity or maybe a grammar page if we want to do some quick grammar exercises and just use those as long as I'm sure the student is capable of doing the activity. Obviously, you need to prepare them for this. So maybe they've got the language. Maybe it's just passive. Often my students are already familiar with the language and maybe they learnt it in school and now they want to refresh their skills and maybe use it in a more communicative way in our classes. I see. So they've got the language, it's just very passive. And then doing the exercise, you've maybe practiced the controlled stuff. Maybe you want to miss out the controlled stuff and just jump straight to the end and do the communicative. You've got the activity, Mm -hmm. so you can give them worksheets at the back of the teacher's book, pair them up and let them go. Exactly. I think for me, as long as they know the language then it's their opportunity to practice. 
And that's how I go about my planning. That's what's in my head, just to add to that. Exactly. If they already know the language, don't go back through the grammar. Don't make them do the grammar page to fill the gaps, use the correct words in the spaces. Mm. You're, you're really wasting your time and the student's time and they're not going to be happy campers. <laughs> okay. So it's about being confident with what they know. And then when you know they know it, you go straight to the practice. So it's almost like inversion, isn't it? Like regular lesson where you pre-teach everything but some students do need guidance mm -hmm. and they want to go through that kind of routine and practice again just to get them back up to speed so I think I use different techniques with different students if I know they can take it then I just go straight to the end and start backwards so it's a combination I think when we think of the planning process I don't do it in that formula of pre-teach control practice free practice I think with some classes you've had for a while it does get a bit monotonous to do the same method every time which is why I'm saying sometimes I like to just present them with something and see how much they can produce and if they can great and maybe upgrade that but if they can't then you need to go back to the beginning look at the teacher's book how it's taught in the grammar break it down do the control practice and everything but this is what I'm saying about planning it's nice to try different techniques. Give me some more examples Em like what other planning methods or types of lessons that you've done that aren't just taking a photocopy from the communicative activity book? Well, you can just avoid planning altogether and go in with an idea that you're going to grow from what the students present. What's that technique called? Um, is that dogme? Yeah, something like that. I've done that, but not very often. I think it's nice. It's like an organic lesson comes out of what the students give you. It's very free. It can change at any point. And ultimately, for the teachers, they just need to rely on their knowledge of English. Yeah. So you're not taking books in with you, but you're taking your knowledge of the language that you learnt yourself. So, for example, one of the students says they've just returned from somebody's wedding. Then you think to yourself, OK, how many different words do I know that are connected with weddings and just make sure all those words come up during the conversation with the student. So do you think that would be as effective as, say, before the lesson, thinking about it, writing a list, making a very controlled lesson plan? I think it could be more organic, as you mentioned before. I think that you probably already know a lot of words connected with weddings. It's like we're having a conversation and we don't need to prepare for it. You just spend an hour communicating with each other using all these keywords. M, should we quickly do an activity? Bridesmaid. Groom. Bouquet. Dinner. Best man. Aisle. Reception. Rings. Mother-in-law. <laughs> um, speeches. Oh, they're very good. I'm sure we could go on all day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. You don't need to plan an hour for a conversation. Um, but as long as you're upgrading it, and then maybe you could send homework, a video or something, and an example of a wedding, perhaps, just to generate more conversation. Gav, would you like a tea? Em, um, you know I only drink coffee. Oh, yeah. Well, I think that could be arranged. Oh? Followers, if you enjoy listening, watching or reading Gavin M's How to English Pod, visit coffee 
coffee.com forward slash how to English pod. That's coffee, ko-fi.com forward slash how to English pod. And it would be lovely if you bought us a tea or a coffee to show us support. You could even get a mention on our show if you'd like. Personally, I just feel if I'm not testing myself, then I'm not doing a good job. I feel like I need to put that time in. I need to give it that time before the lesson, exhaust every possible word for weddings that I can think of. But you're right, it doesn't have to be that way. So in that way, lesson planning isn't just sitting down and writing as many words as possible connected to that. It could be just something very creative. Yeah, it sounds very spontaneous. Um, it could be a problem for the student if they prefer to plan before the lesson. So you're not telling the student, right, next week we're going to talk about weddings because lots of students do like to prepare and they won't get that chance. But then on the other side, it will give them a chance to see what active language they already have on that topic and test themselves. I definitely plan more than necessary. To use the example of weddings, I would probably think of some good leading questions like when did you last attend a wedding? Have you ever been to a wedding in a different country? Something like that, just to get the conversation going. Um, then what would you do, Gav, like after that? Well, I always use a specific photo. I have a photo of the royal family from a few years ago. And I say, OK, so this is the Queen. And in the wedding photo, she is the... Ah, mother-in-law. Mother-in-law yeah. of the bride nice. and then kind of elicit the words and there is her grandson he is the groom uh, yeah yeah that's it and we just keep going like that it's a really nice activity especially because you've got the photo so you've got something to focus on and mm. it's, it's very regal it's it's very easy to practice that definitely good with the visuals and I think that then you can generate a lot of you know things like what would you expect to see at a wedding and what can you see in the picture nice you can also describe what they're wearing and other things like that it's really good and then maybe some kind of activity where they're matching meanings or some kind of vocabulary based task and you could find a video if you've got a mixed class or even if you haven't you can compare your own culture with other people's cultures and try to describe how the weddings are similar or different so that would be the second part of the lesson okay after pre-teaching the language then you would go into the test part of the lesson okay could be a listening task for example mm -hmm. so the students are prepared they've already got some of the language and then they do a listening task or watch a video and they need to answer some questions sounds good so we're looking at test teach test okay what well, can you explain test teach test to us you present something in a way that is quite explanatory and then you ask the students to somehow show that they've understood it and then you use it after that in a way that means they're practicing. I see. So if we now switch to a grammar lesson, say we want to teach this set phrase. I have been living here since 2017 and I guess whoever looks at this sentence would know exactly what it means. How would you prepare to teach this, M. How would I prepare? I would think about a way of showing it visually. I don't know, I arrive off the plane or 
on a train is or this a mime or from a... my car maybe a series of photographs okay. and dates on the photographs that show where I was and where I was before and where I am now and then sort of some nice sightseeing pictures of me in this new place mm-hmm. um which at least shows the concept nice um then maybe write on the board the sentence and try and break down the grammar a little bit and mm-hmm. maybe write the form yeah have or has plus yeah. been plus verb ing exactly okay. check since and for yeah Good. that's true and then maybe change the ending or change the middle so i have been working here for blah 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 or i have been playing the piano for blah 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 elicit the question you could look at the negatives if the students don't know you have to write it on the board and then they have all of those and then what would be a final stage oh practice so lots of questions repetition drilling of the pronunciation as well in there somewhere but definitely a lot of opportunity to use it so that's a a simple outline of planning a lesson what about planning courses i know you're a big fan of planning courses I, however, am not particularly into that. Unless the student specifically asks me, I tend Mm. to be, I really like that word you used before, organic. Well, I must say I like the idea of each lesson or each week focusing on a different skill. I do think about that, whether we've done grammar and then we should do some vocabulary, a bit of pronunciation. I like to think about that to make it varied. Mm -hmm. So I'm a big fan of planning courses. But for me, I would tend to respond to the students' errors. Say, for example, they fluff up on the second conditional or they don't use it correctly and they should. And I think, okay, I need to teach that either now, if I'm ready, if I'm prepared, if I've got the materials, or I'll save it for next week and say, okay, let's uh, deal with this little issue next time. Yeah, that's a really good way of doing it. And spontaneously is amazing. I haven't quite got the courage to do that. But I do I do make the plans. I don't always follow the plans. I think sometimes it becomes a bit of a joke because I I do like to introduce it at the beginning and then say, well, it's, you know, it's flexible. But inevitably, we end up delaying the plan or going off the plan completely. Um, But I think it's professional just to give them a plan at the beginning of the course. Yeah, I do understand that. Do you have your standard lessons where you plan week by week, weddings, lesson one, lesson two, football, lesson three, how to introduce yourself, something like that? Yeah, I go with, I like the theme, but I do tend to be more grammar on the plan, grammar based. And then I fit the grammar maybe to the students more than dictate the theme if you know what I mean. So do you ask the students first or you just sit down on your own and you plan the course? I think I do what you do. I identify the mistakes, the errors. That gives me an idea of what I need to work on. And then maybe the theme comes a bit later as I learn more about the student. So they get the course plan in the second, third, fourth lesson? Well, yeah, maybe the second or third, but maybe the very general course plan of grammar structures, but not with theme. I think that that's something I can hold on to and do as I see fit. Mm-hmm. So I think it's good. It makes them quite happy. And if they're not happy, I think they tell you eventually. Mm-hmm. I've had a couple look a bit unimpressed with the plan. 
they think, oh, this is going to be hard work. But then do you not get them to agree the plan before you actually print it and give them a copy? Yeah, I think that's important to mention. You know, this is not just my idea, this is our idea. So you show them at least you're thinking about it, even if you don't want to stick to it, but then you let them adapt it if necessary. And you can use topics from some of the big books and you just show the student the index and just say, okay, if you want to choose whatever topics are interesting for you or grammar is important, something that you want to practice, then we'll add that into your course plan. Exactly. But this is obviously if we're doing our own courses, as we've said before, if you are working for a company or a school, a lot of the time there's a set syllabus. You don't have that kind of freedom. So with my own experience, I've had a lot of my own courses where I can make it what I want, what the student wants. So, yeah, that's my development, I guess. So what about other planning, Gav? What about time planning, planning your time? I'm not exactly sure what that means. You don't know what it means to plan your time? Do you spend a lot of time planning? I'm guessing not. Well, I used to spend a lot of time. These days I'm able to rely on my materials and I'm quite familiar with my materials. Yeah, but remember those early days, you've got a 60-minute lesson, you don't really need to spend three hours planning for it but you do oh yeah I did I I spent probably eight hours on a 45 minute lesson yeah you just have to keep an eye on it I think and keep it within reason Mm -hmm. I know at the beginning you are going to just plan for every minute of every day I remember that and now I've got more experience so I can just use those lessons or I've I naturally can do it yeah And I remember spending hours preparing games and activities and actually they didn't work very well in the lesson or Mm -hmm. they just were not that much fun. And I realised in a lot of the students' books, there already are lots of games and activities and there are games and activities books for English. So Mm -hmm. sometimes if you're a teacher, you don't need to worry about preparing everything. It's already done for you. Yeah, that comes back to what I said before. I just feel at the beginning, I just felt I needed to do it because that meant I was taking the job seriously and planning for ages meant I was working hard. So you can teach that lesson again with a different class and improve it. There's no crime. You can use those materials again. And often you get better the more times you teach a particular subject or a grammar point, you will find that you're honing your skills exactly you think oh I'll fix that next time or I'll do that a different way and of course that doesn't always work because different students react differently so you might have one activity that works great in one lesson not in the other lesson just doesn't work at all so different people as well there's a lot to consider exactly you assume it's a really good lesson and it just completely fails for another class Yeah, we shouldn't end on a low note, though. I mean, most of the time, by doing it again, it gets better. Exactly. It's a steep learning curve, I think. Definitely, yeah. So keep in mind what the teacher's goals are of the lesson, what the lesson plan was, or if you're being more spontaneous, think about where you want to be by the end of the lesson. And also, students, make sure that you get something out of that lesson. Make those notes record all of the new language and make sure that you're able to use it for the next lesson because it really could be your next chance to practice it. The ultimate goal is for everybody to learn. M. Yes. 
I think we finished on something really positive. Yes. Great. And don't forget, everybody, to give us a five-star rating at iTunes and go and visit our Instagram and Facebook. And we're on YouTube as well. So go and check us out and listen to How to English Teach and Learn with Gavin M. Thanks. I'll see you next time. Okay, Gav. Bye-bye. Bye.